Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hi there. We are definitely on the road this week. Uh, we just came off the road, actually. We're in a beautiful building on the Upper East Side of New York City tonight. We're looking out on Manhattan. It's beautiful here, and New York's a special place for a lot of people. So many people have had experiences here. It's been a crossroads for such a long time. It's where I filled my mission as a young 19-year-old for the LDS Church, and I've loved the city ever since. And we now have two sons that live in Manhattan, one on the Upper East Side and one on the Upper West Side. And I might add two sons, two daughters-in-law and two little grandchildren. We are so excited to be here, and we came for a very special reason. Well, we had a couple of reasons. We have a speech tomorrow night here in, in Manhattan, but... Um, it's to the Entrepreneurs Organization and talking about, again, children and entitlement and so on. And our kids are going to be with us at this meeting. It's going to be so fun. Yeah, it's really, you know, I mean, you, some of you can just imagine this. But, uh, you know, we, we, we speak all over the world and we always talk about parenting and about relationships and family. So it's a little dicey to do that with two of your kids sitting right in the same room, knowing that if you if you get anything a little inaccurate or if you stretch the truth in any way or if you exaggerate or if you make it sound a little better than it really was, one of them is going to say, oh, wait a second, Dad, I don't think it was quite like that. <laughs> I'm glad you're already thinking about that, Richard, because really once in a while you do say kind of goofy things, and I just think, oh, if the kids are really here. Not very often, but um, and not on anything important, but it's going to be fun because they're going to contribute with us tomorrow night, which is awesome. Audiences love it. We say, hey, we might bring a couple of our kids. Oh, yeah, that'll, now we know we'll get the real stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but it, we love New York City. I know a lot of people say, oh, man, I can stand up for two or three days and I have to go home. I just hate it there, but... We have a son that lives here for five years, and now we've got another one, and he and his wife uh, were here for a long time. She was here 10 years, and he was here another five years, and, and this other son is so excited to get back to New York. We absolutely love New York. Do you think we can live here? I think, uh, you know, that's an interesting subject. We're, we're going to talk a little more about graduation, and so many of you have had graduations in your families on one level or another. But before we jump into that, let me just respond to what you just said, Linda. Is it a is a city like New York City, the prototypical city? Is that a, is that a place to raise kids? Some would say absolutely not. What a terrible thing to raise kids. You've got to have a backyard and a picket fence, and you've got to be out in the suburbs, or even better yet, in a rural area, and then kids can really grow and expand, and, and I, I take that view as a, as a credible one. I think some people do feel like that's the place to raise children, but I'll tell you, there are plenty of others who say, hey, there wouldn't be a better place to raise children than in a city. Uh, Think of the museums, think of the learning opportunities, think of the exposure to diversity, think of the cultural and artistic opportunities, and, and, and it's true. And so, I don't know, whenever someone says to me, where do you think is the best place to raise children, or what type of 
town or environment or place do you think is the ideal place to raise your children? I tell you what, I just say I don't, I don't think there is an ideal place. You can't name me a place that doesn't have certain unique advantages to raising kids. Or if you want to look at the glass half empty, you can say there's problems. Every place you live, there are some disadvantages when it comes to raising children. So it's a question of whether you want to look for the good or the bad. Or make up for the hard things, no matter where you live. I have to, I have to say that I think the best place to raise children is at home. I mean, yeah, it doesn't right. matter where you live as long as you have that home atmosphere that makes them happy to come home and to be home and to remember home as a fun place to be. Yeah, you can make it. That's really true. You can make your home what you want it to be no matter where you live. And I say that advisedly because, believe me, people, we know a lot of people who are raising their, their families, at least at this present moment, in Manhattan or in Chicago or in a place where, number one, you've got very limited space if you live right in the city. Our son uh, had their first two children when they had an apartment less than 500 square feet. Imagine that. That's smaller than most living rooms. And so you say, wow, that's just not fair to a kid to have them cooped up in such a tiny place. But wait a second. They could walk out of their front door and be at a beautiful park. They could walk down the street a little ways and be at a, at a museum. They could walk down the street a little further and be at a symphony. So who's to say one environment's better than another? But going on, we have just been today at a graduation at the University of Pennsylvania. We are so excited to have been there and to have been part of the regalia and the excitement of all the parents and so on and so on. And no matter where you are, you're touched by graduation at this time of year, whether it's uh, to a school graduate, um, <laughs> whether it is, uh, they have these huge graduations now for sixth grade, seventh grade, whenever you go on to the next level, and then of course high school, and then of course college, and then of course these master's degrees. And we are so lucky. Our son, our number six, child just graduated with a master's degree in positive psychology, psychology. and it, it, they actually call it MAP. Um, it's the only program in the world. Master of Applied Positive Psychology. And he has taught us so much about the world and life and how to be happy. I mean, this is a master's in how to be happy. It's so amazing. <clears throat> We've had such a good time learning from him as he's been going through this program. Well, and, and getting back to graduations, um, don't you think graduation, it, it's kind of, I, I don't know what to compare it with. It's like, I remember a few weeks on the show, we did a show on baptism and how when, when families gather together for a baptism of a child, how special it is and how how remarkable the feelings and the emotions are. Graduations aren't quite the same, but they're they're interesting in a similar way. When you go to graduations, and I was going to calculate before the show how many graduations we've been to with our children, but think about it for a minute. There's nine of them, and they've all graduated from sixth grade. They've all graduated from middle school. They've graduated from high school. They've graduated from college. Several of them. Joy School, several of them from graduate programs, five or six graduations each, and there's nine of them. So we've we've probably attended 40 graduations at least just for members of our own family. And 
And you, you say, well, does that ever get old? Of course, those of you who are parents know it doesn't get old. Each one is so unique and so wonderful. And I was sitting there today, and, and UPenn, you know, is a very sophisticated university, one of the oldest in the country, founded by Benjamin Franklin in 1740. So lots of tradition. It's an Ivy League school and so on. And, and yet you get in a graduation, and I mean, it could be a middle school graduation because the parents are giddy. It's like there's their son or daughter walks across the stage, and they're yelling and cheering and whooping it up and sounding like, you know, completely uh, again. juvenile kids again. And you say, that's something kind of beautiful about that. I mean, we're so proud. We know the effort that goes in by not only the students, but by the parents who are supporting the students and so on. So the natural feeling at a graduation is joy, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. You just felt that in the air today. Everywhere. I mean, they filled up the entire football stadium. Well, half of the football stadium. And it's a big stadium. It's a huge stadium. <clears throat> With parents and grandparents, parents, brothers, sisters, children of graduates. And it was so fun. In fact, um, we had a most amazing uh, commencement speaker. Yeah, um, we sure did. This was quite remarkable. I'm a new fan. I am, too. Uh, John... John Legend. Legend. Nine-time Grammy Award winner. And most of you know him better than we did. And, and probably most of you know more about UPenn than we did before our son started this program. It's just a fabulous school, and he graduated from UPenn. He was getting ready to do an enormous tour, and he came and spoke at the graduation. He was remarkable. I think well, it was just the, uh, one of the most incredible speeches I've heard. Probably unnecessary because he is, he is an extremely popular singer, like I say, nine Grammy Awards, and, and um, someone who has, I think, the number one hit in America right now, maybe in the world, called All of Me. But, you know, he shows up as the graduation speaker. He's 35 years old. He's he's um, still a young man lot. in many ways. But And, and what's interesting, what I didn't realize, he left UPenn and went to work uh, for BCG, Boston Consulting Group, a very prestigious Boston-based consulting group. And he went into the financial sector. And But he was writing songs in the evening because what he really wanted to do was music. And he followed his dream, and he got there. But as you say, Linda, he gave what I loved about his commencement talk is that it was it was honest and it was fairly simple and it was completely unpretentious. And the subject of it was love. He said, you know, the best thing you can do in this whole world is, and everybody kind of had the breath. He said, love. You just have to love people. And he's done so much humanitarian third world work, which they introduced him uh, as having done. But he really went on, and he really let it all hang out. He said, I know that some people are sophisticated, and you might not think this is appropriate for a commencement, but it really is what the world's all about. I've just found my only true love. I guess he's just, he's just been married. married. Yeah. But um, he also just talks about how important it is to have a passion for what you're doing in life and to yeah, like love that. what you're doing. Yeah, he said, you know, especially in my world, by the way, he said, he started off by saying, I'm going to keep it brief today because when you do what I do, you usually don't go to work for about 10 more hours. This was at noon. And he 
I guess if you're a musician, you never start work that early. But but he said, you know, it's um it's kind of it's kind of a profession where a lot of people want to be cool. They want to be a little removed, a little aloof, a little indifferent, and certainly not religious. Yeah. And he just really just spoke up and said, and I'd I rather be passionate. I'd rather have I faith. Would, I'd rather have love. And I got my start in the church choir, and I am so grateful for what I know about God. And he really was quite amazing. Well, and he got a standing ovation. All all the graduates, uh, UPenn's an interesting place because there's as many graduating with, with graduate degrees, masters and doctorates and so on, as there are undergraduates. And all of them stood and gave him a standing ovation. But, you know, it's just fun to be there. Getting back again to the idea of graduation, um, you, you think you're at Hogwarts. I mean, you got all these people with all these wild regalia and uh, just doing their best to, to be have pomp and ceremony. But we'll come back after a brief break. And, 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 and we'll talk about some of the things that we've learned from Talmud right. from his amazing class about how to be happy, how to flourish in life, which is such an amazing thing to think about as a master's degree from college. Yeah, so we'll, that is a step forward. We'll be right back after a brief little break. thinking a little with you today, our loyal listeners, about graduation, the thing that happens this time of year just as surely as the flowers bloom, and thinking how great a time it is, graduation, even the word sort of brings a smile to your lips, and you know, Linda, this might be, we, we do have one more son who's still working on a graduate degree, and we've got a daughter who may go back and get another degree, but we're getting close to the end of our 40 or 50 graduations. Now we're going to have to start thinking grandkids. We are. Now, for those of you who weren't here for the first half, we're counting all the graduations, starting with yeah. school, going right on through. Right on through. But um, we really are so proud of this graduate that graduated today. He, and this will give some of you parents some um, encouragement. By the way, do you think we're going to go to all the grandkids' graduations? Of course. You do? No matter where they are, we're going to all those high school graduations? Oh, my gosh. We are just getting started. Anyway, this son um, really had some severe learning disabilities in elementary school. He just could not learn to read. He tried so hard. He used to give himself headaches. He'd just lay his head on the desk and try, but he just couldn't read. And, it, you know, even in the seventh grade, he was struggling with reading. And then all through school, he somehow managed to find people to help him. I just thought he'd never well, had Well, he had such amazing time. interpersonal skills. Well, he was so right-brained. The problem yeah. was he was right-brained. And we figured out finally, after going through a lot of counseling with him, that he's an audio learner. So audio books, he's the best read person we have in our family. And he found, through his reading, this wonderful program. And so we are so thrilled. He has worked his little soul out trying to get his these papers soul. done. His big soul. For those of you who know Talmadge, he's our tallest son. He played basketball at Weaver State and BYU. And, 
and he did have some difficult times learning, but think of what a, what a story in overcoming things, and now he has a graduate degree from an Ivy League school, and, and he's learned, he's, he's, what he's learned is how to learn. What he's learned is how to be yeah. curious. Yeah, that's right. And so in the process of this, he, Dad, I want to get a graduate degree. Should I get an MBA like you did and so on? And, uh, you know, it's hard to know what to advise your kids. And then about, <laughs> year, in this case. about a year and a half ago, he comes and says, I have found the most amazing program. I've always been interested in in psychology and psychiatry and so on, but I've always thought of it as kind of a, a negative field aimed at curing mental illness and, and so on and, and depression. And now I've found this positive psychology program aimed at helping people Flourish, that's the main word in this program, yeah. human flourishing and finding greater well-being. That sounds a little pie in the sky until you put it in an Ivy League school and make it an academic discipline, and right. then it really becomes substantial. Where they do research and find out the one thing that makes a child flourish is grit. And I love that. I mean, you know, we when when I say that, a child really does well when they have grit. You go, yes, that's right. That's why so and so or that's why I have succeeded because I stick with it. No matter how hard things get, I can get things done. And uh, Angela Duckworth was there yesterday, and we had several meetings also on a graduation yesterday. But she's the one that did the TED talk on grit and how important grit is, as well as. Um, you know, self-confidence and that kids can do what they think they want to do. But um, it is so interesting to see how these people have taken apart positive psychology and applied it to people's everyday lives. And it, it just absolutely goes through the whole university. They mentioned several times, not just the, the uh, talk about love, but also the they mentioned his, the head of the department and how much difference he was making in the way things were working at the university. They've taken it to the military. They've taken it. They've taken it everywhere. It's really pretty interesting. Well, you know, one of the things that we're intrigued with, as we've mentioned other shows, is that the trend in America right now in our field in the whole question of marriage and family preservation and so on. The trend is that those who have education, particularly those with a, with a college degree, a bachelor's degree or higher, their marriages are lasting. Their marriages are staying together. Their families are staying together and intact to a much greater percentage and degree than lower class and lower education families, lower income families. And that's that's very new because you know you only have to go back a generation or so where the strongest marriages seem to be among middle to lower income people who were very religious and who stayed married because that's just the thing that was done. Now we've turned a really dangerous corner where a lot of people in that income level not only get divorced often, they don't get married in the first place. They cohabitate. And so it's the more educated, against all odds, it's the educated, college-educated, college-degree-holding public that is saving marriage, that is rescuing marriage, that is really making commitments. And so education and choosing what we think is the right lifestyle tend to go together. 
Well, and also optimism. Yeah. So yesterday, wasn't that interesting? Um, the professor who was in charge of the program this year uh, was a, a marvelous man, James, and he gave a terrific speech. And then the one who started everything, uh, Marty Seldman, came and spoke to us, and he was so interesting. <laughs> People that have make the most money and do the best in their jobs, we've done this research. We know this is true. Are the ones that are optimistic, except. Yeah, I don't know if we should mention that. <laughs> I think we should. I should really so back up a little and just because uh, some some listeners may want to research this because it is so interesting. This Martin Seligman was actually the person who founded the Department of Positive Psychology. And it took him a while because positive psychology people thought, come on, what is that? That sounds pie in the sky. That doesn't sound serious. But he he persisted, and now it's become a well-established program. But he, he was very interesting when he spoke to the parents and the families of his graduates the other day. Instead of giving a speech, he just opened it immediately to questions. And, and uh, he responded, I thought, very well off the cuff, but... But one of the questions was about optimism, and, and he said it really is an intriguing thing, so I can't document it right now other than saying this is what he said. He said, you know, every profession we've ever tested, from medicine to, you know, uh, street sweeper, and for virtually everything across the whole gamut, those who are optimists do better than those who are pessimists. And then that sort of makes sense. I mean, you're a positive person. You're going to do what you think you're going to succeed. So but, he, succeed. but then he sort of, as an afterthought, he said, there is one exception to that. We find that pessimists do better in the field of law. <laughs> the best, he said, the best lawyers in the world are born pessimists, and that's why they're good. That's why they're good lawyers, because they're like, well, this could go wrong, and this could go wrong, and this could go wrong. So I'm going to try to protect you against all those things. And he said, optimists don't do so well in law because they don't think any of those things are going to happen. <laughs> so they fail to protect their clients against them, and they don't come out as well as attorneys. So if any of you out there listening, I shouldn't say this, but if you have kids that are born pessimists, Steer them into law. <laughs> no. And not that they have, I know a lot of lawyers that are not pessimistic, but I thought that was so interesting. It is true. I mean, different kinds of law are different, obviously. But they're, what they're I wasn't trying about. to tell a lawyer joke, by no, the way. No, <laughs> no. But um, he was just really fascinating. Um, our son actually had a chance to go to um, to Switzerland with the manager, I mean, the director of the program about a month ago, right? Yeah. And uh, he was supposed to be speaking on humor, right? Well, they, they were trying to apply positive how, psychology. Yeah, they were saying, that how, how much does humor have to do with your well-being and with your human flourishing? And that was the, the, the study that they were in. And, <laughs> this is what you were going to say, and go ahead. Yeah. Well, no, he just said that he he'd heard a previous speaker who was speaking on humor, and it was deathly boring. <laughs> it wasn't funny at all. Deathly boring. And so he said he thought he'd, you know, tell a few jokes, make it a little bit humorous. But it was a different audience. It was a European audience and an academic audience, and they just weren't quite sure they should be laughing. At an academic conference. <laughs> academic conference. So, but anyway, we just want to give you a little flavor of, of what a good weekend we've had and want to kind of share in the joy with so many of you listening who've had a graduation and 
You know, maybe it's just, uh, it takes me back to our high school graduations. Linda, most of ours were held at the Symphony Hall in downtown Salt Lake, and there were East High School. Not our high school, but our children's high school. Yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. Going to our kids' graduations, and one of my favorites was that every time, you know, a name is read, there's this whooping and hollering, and none did it better than the Polynesians, because they were there with lays for everyone, and their culture was so prone to being celebratory about achievement of these kids. And and for a lot of families, maybe high school graduation is as far as a child will go. And so it's a a culminating, wonderful thing. And why shouldn't it be? Why shouldn't people just let their hair down and rejoice with the fruits of the labor, even though the fruits at that point is just a diploma and it might have cost a lot of money for the parent and for the child. But now, graduation, which means... What do we do next? We're now moving on. Which I must say we are moving on because our children are starting to pay for their own education. (laughs) These last two sons are married with children and big, heavy responsibility jobs, and they've done this on the side. Um, Every other weekend they go in for classes. And and interestingly, people were flying in. There was a woman that flew in from Australia every month for classes. There was a guy that flew in from Germany every month for classes. Yeah. There was, I mean, Korea. And some of them moved there for the year, even though they were well-established people who were making good living. I, they yeah, you're right, though. Do that. We've turned a corner. These are the first two, speaking of all these graduations, these are the first two where we hadn't paid the tuition. Absolutely. That's pretty just exciting. Well, I oh, haven't really focused on that. Did that make it less joyful for us or more? Oh, more. Oh, I think so, too. Oh, much more. Well, we're about to run out of time. Let me just summarize a little and give you the last word, honey. But uh, a wonderful time of year. Can you think of a better time than May? I mean, I love it. It's the NBA playoffs. It's We're coming up on the uh, French Open tennis tournament. It's the time when nature is blooming. It's the time when our kids are graduating. It's the time when it gets warm. We should all be so celebratory, and there's nothing like uh, seeing the accomplishments of children. I was trying to explain that to a guy the other day. He said, what's the greatest joy of being a parent? And I said, the greatest joy is watching the joy of your children and magnifying it beyond what they know. Well, I just have to say that graduation means a new beginning, and I hope that um, all of us really go forward now with a new beginning, whether you're just graduating out of school this year and going into a summer vacation or whatever it is. It's great to, t- to think about a new beginning. We give you our best from the road in New York City. We'll see you next week on Ayers on the Road. <laughs>